0: All right, we are continuing on with the series entitled Hate. And I hate talking about hate. But sometimes you got to do it, amen? As I said, it's a nasty little four-letter word. It's the nastiest of the nastiest four-letter words when you look at what it can do in the life of the individual as well as the people that are targeted by that hatred. And we look at mankind and the sort of things that have happened over the years. Just look at the multiplied corruption and scandals and schisms and breaches and skirmishes and warfare and death and misery that have come when all roads lead back to that four letter word. So it's a short word, but it's a very powerful in a negative fashion word. So we're going to continue to cover it. Amen. Our text scripture is Proverbs chapter four verses 20 through 23. It says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the praise, honor, and glory once again. For giving us the opportunity to partake of your word. We thank you, Father, that just praising your name in song lifting you up with testimonies and in praise and adoration just opens up the ground and fertilizes the soil for your seed to sink in and get strong deep roots that it can form um, great things in our lives of, of great fruitfulness. And we thank you and praise you, Father, for this. We thank you right now that we would not leave out the same way we came in. And even as Miss Carol testified that the word last week blessed her, Father, we praise you that that process would continue in each one of our lives, from the speaker to the youngest recipient. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So last night, actually, last week, we talked about hate. And our text scripture here is talking about keep your heart. Amen. It's a funny thing that the heart is inside of your body, but you still have to keep it. Amen. You got to put a guard on it. You got to protect it. You have to maintain it. Amen. Preserve it. Sometimes you have to conceal it. And one of the things that the Lord placed upon my heart last week is that we have to keep our heart with all diligence, for, as it said, out of it flow the issues of life. Every aspect of your life can be governed by how things flow out of your heart because it affects your perceptions. It affects how you respond to various things. It affects how you endure trials and tribulations, setbacks, obstacles, abuse, bad things that occur to you. These things flow out of the issues that emanate from your heart. And actually yesterday, I had a great illustration of that. I'm just minded of the fact that we were down in Bronx City, my old hometown, the stopping grounds, the greatest of cities, unlike Willemboro. Uh, that's another story. But, um, I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, I'll be nice. Anyway, I was down at Bronte City waterfront, f- and Trey, w- at one point, wanted to go down to the river, so he, I, and Gigi went down to the waterfront, and it was an amazing view, beautiful. You can see Burlington Island. All of a sudden, we see this ship coming around the curve of the island, and I look towards, you know, it, I look toward my left, and I see the Burlington-Bristol Bridge, and it was already elevated because of the size of that ship, so it could pass underneath. So it was just an amazing view, amen? But one of the things that really caught my eye, I talked to him about, as a, as a teenager, sometimes we we see people try to swim over to the island, and some of them thought they were really strong swimmers, only, unfortunately, we would have um, boats out there later dredging the water trying to find another person that failed to make it to the other side and when I talked about that I showed them I said look at the water today and I said it's pretty choppy you know it's a pretty strong current you could visibly see it with your eyes and I said there's times where I've seen it even worse especially when storms are coming but on this particular day even though it was a hot sunny day it was really balmy had a good current flowing but you could see current flowing from where we were towards our left towards the bridge but if you looked out in the water you could see some flow of waves coming in the opposite direction some of it because of boats going by but some of it was just because the way in which the water itself was flowing and maybe it was caused by the island being there but the fact was that in the major current one way there was also a current a counter current going the other way And see that's what happens when out of the flow of your heart god is trying to cause the current to go one way but you have the countercurrent of hatred malice bitterness frustration anger bitterness going the other way it causes the undercurrent and if you don't watch that undercurrent that thing will suck you under and it may not take your life and believe me i'm not advocating suicide But I'm here to tell you today that there's a lot of people, they might be better off dead than having to live day after day after miserable day because they are stuck in the undercurrent of their hatred and bitterness. A mercy kid would probably be better off. And like I said, I'm not advocating suicide. I'm not advocating, advocating euthanasia. I'm saying, no, we gotta call it what it is and we gotta deal with it, amen? So we can liberate ourselves to flow where God wants us to flow, amen? Think about that. The all-powerful God, he's got you caught up in the current of his love. And you are struggling to stroke the other way. Let yourself float. Go with God's current. Amen? That's why God tells us to keep our hearts. You got to keep your heart. You got to know when you're getting off course. You got to know when there's a current flowing the other way that gets you out of the path and the stream, amen, that God has you flowing in so that you can lift off that dead weight and get yourself back into the flow of where God's taking you. So last week we started this, and one of the major things we looked at is that, look, I don't hate anybody. I just get agitated. But we saw that that's something that can be the first part of a process that leads to hate. As we continue on this week, The question that comes to mind is, but doesn't God's word say that he hates things? And if God hates things, well, why can't I hate things when I'm created in the image of God? Well, nice try. But that's not quite what God is doing when he's talking about hatred. It's not from the same mindset. It's not towards the same thing. It is actually against things that never should be in place had it not been for the corruption of the prince of evil the rule of this world system, and men that get themselves caught up in the corruption that is inside of him. So God does hate things, but as we see in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, the things that God hates are much different. So let's go there. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. So yeah, God does hate, but God doesn't hate the woman in the other aisle because she's got a better dress on than you. And God doesn't hate the neighbor down the street or in the apartment complex that keeps taking your parking spot, especially that one that you (laughs) shoveled out, (laughs) wanted to come back to later that day, and his car is comfortably in that spot. God doesn't hate those things. As we see here, God isn't focusing so much on the people as he does things and concepts or practices that people are doing. Amen? Amen. So he hates a proud look, we hate things, but do we hate a proud look or do we sometimes succumb to the peacock spirit? Oh, look at me, look what I have, look at how I dress, look at my position, look at me, 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 how wonderful I am, a proud look. You know, a proud look is sometimes attributed to the fact that somebody thinks they can step to you or look at you a certain way. And instead of saying, I'm not gonna fall, and, and to that or play that type of game, you're like, huh, do you think you're something? I'm going to show you I'm something greater. It's a proud look. Amen. A hearty countenance. A lying tongue, it talks about he hates. You know, do you hate lying and deception? You know, flattering lips and a loose tongue. Do you hate those things? God hates hands that shed innocent blood. He goes on and on and talks about a hand that, a heart that deviseth wicked imagination. So he, he starts out with the things that are on the surface level, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, these outward manifestations of things that are buried down inside the heart. And then he starts to dig down deeper and he says, oh, let's talk about that heart that is devising different things. And here's the thing, God and his hate doesn't want to destroy mankind. He says, I don't hate the person, he hates the person that has those issues inside of him, allowing them to govern their behavior. And that's why God may hate what you're doing or the process that you're in trying to do evil or act out of hatred, but yet God is still a graceful God that always has open arms and an open heart to accept you when you bend your knees and say, God, I'm sorry for what I did. See, mankind's hate We wish evil upon people. And it could be a quiet thing. They never know it. It's just trickling down or percolating down beneath the surface. You may not necessarily say or even do anything to that person, but yet, you could have this mindset of hatred. I wish you evil. And when you really look at it, having that type of mindset, you're only one step removed from what you really wanna do. You either wanna hurl curses on that person Which if you think about it, that's a form of witchcraft. You cast the spells, get them. And have the nerve to say, God, you get them. We try to get God caught up in our game. Get them, God, punish them. Well, who made you the judge, jury, executioner of what somebody else deserves? And how about for the things we've done over the years if somebody was out there that had the same permission to speak that into our lives. Would we want to be the recipients? I know I wouldn't. Good Lord, before I was saved, if, if people had the capability, I wish bad upon Brian Fox and it happens, I wouldn't be talking to you here today. Amen? And I don't think most, this probably be an empty room, right. except for the children. Because we're all capable of both thinking bad things about people, but also being deserving from their perspective, us to get the consequences of their anger and ire projected onto us. So that's why we have to have the mindset that, yes, I get angry sometimes. Yes, I get discouraged. Yes, I get hurt. But I gotta take this thing back to God and say, lift this thing off of me. Don't let it take control over my life. Don't let me obsess over it. Don't let it have a major influence on who i am where i'm going how i perceive things how i speak how i react i mean there's so many different aspects of that and that's why it talks about out of your heart flows the issues of your life it it governs every aspect of your being whether you realize it or not so that's why god is very if you want to talk about hating things he hates those sorts of things because he sees the end result of what these things could do in your life as well in the life of other people who are the recipients of that anger that builds up inside of you. So if we're going to hate, we need to learn how to hate the same sort of things that God hates. And we also need to see it from the perspective of God, even when you rightfully see something that is abhorrent to God, that God hates, that still doesn't give you a green light or a hall pass and say, Well God hates that, so I'm gonna hate them too. That's why you'll see people meaning well outside of the abortion clinic. But you have the heart of God, you hate the abortion, but you love the people. You don't hate the abortion and go to the place and shoot the the doctor or the, the people that are in the clinic. No. You hate the crime of shedding innocent blood but you love and minister salvation to the people who are participants in that action. Amen. And that's the difference. God's viewpoint, the things that God hates, his viewpoint on the things that he hates and the way in which he interacts with those things that he hates are quite different. It comes from a f- tone of mercy, even in the midst of him hating the specific act or the principality that it's in operation. So yes, we can hate, but we need to hate as God hates, which is really a a, a form of disdain, contempt, judgment, animosity towards the evil being committed, not against the participants in that evil. Let's go to Isaiah 61, verse eight. For I, the Lord, love judgment, I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. <laughs> Here's the second thing we see. God, it, You know, it's funny how hatred gets in our hearts, but it, it never seems to be against the thing that God despises. Amen? I hate that. I hate this. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. But it's funny how we never choose to hate the same things that God hates. As a matter of fact, by, by no coincidence, some of the very things that God hates we somehow find to do, but yet we hate things that are not on God's hate radar list. Amen? Once again, I hate that person at the job that gets on my nerves. I hate that person down the street who just agitates me. And you may not even admit it. I hate this. I hate that. I hate that group. I hate that nationality. I hate that culture. I hate that religion. I, I hate, I hate, I hate. list goes on and on and on. But then if you go down the list of things that God says his hates, that he hates, somehow we find that we might do some of the very things that are on his list. Amen? You ever spread gossip? That's the only discord upon, among the brethren. God says he hates that. But we'll sit there and join in and sowing discord among the brethren, but yet think we have the same perspective of hatred that God has. No. We change the rules. We change the guidelines. We we, uh, alter the definition so that the things that we choose to hate are, are fine, but yet we hold other things to a different ranking level or priority list. So God... Once us had a mindset that we need to change our mindset regarding anger and malice and bitterness and judgment and especially hatred. Redefine those things so that they align themselves with the Word of God as opposed to how we previously viewed things. And if we choose to do it, we can. We truly can. Do we want to be open enough to first see that it's lying there under the surface? And then, once we see it's there, are we willing to deal with it, or we're going to run in the other direction? Or are we going to deny it? Or are we going to say, "No, not me"? How do we deal with these things when God reveals them to Him? Because he, he truly will He reveal it to us, but do we turn ahead the other way? <laughs> <laughs> I just got r- reminded of uh, of Ming. It's a good illustration. I, I was dog sitting Ming. And he has this funny behavior Well it's, it's not funny in the moment But it's funny when you think about it overall If Ming's in a situation where you're trying to get him to come out He's hid himself under a bed Especially our bed And you want him to come out and eat And take his medicine or whatever And he decides he doesn't want to do it He could be laying right there within an inch of you You reach Ming He'll literally turn his head Something in his mind tells him That if he turns his head you're, You can't see him or he he's turned invisible Or something like that He would literally be right there and he'd say Ming Come out and That head turns But it's a funny illustration of something that We Probably do from the perspective of God Brian you know that guy over there you don't like <laughs> Brian. Brian 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 I'm, I'm talking to you <laughs> And we and do what he's done talking in that moment. Oh, you say something, Lord? Praise the Lord. Uh, playing that game. <laughs> and the list can go on and on and on. People, places, things, nationalities, cultures, races, food groups. I don't know. The guy's trying to get our attention, bring that stuff up to the surface so he can deal with it. And yet, here we go. Oh, God never told me to deal with that. Because you keep turning your head. Or you stop the ears up. Or you read the word of God and the word of God starts speaking to you like next chapter. You wake it up in the middle of the night. God's giving you a a specific chapter and verse. Some of you God could be waking you up. You got you hear the chapter, the verse, different translations, the amplified. You hear the sermon, three sermons that have been on TV. (laughs) Twelve Bible studies come up. You got the Hebrew and the Greek, and you're still like, oh, God just never dealt with me on <laughs> that." <laughs> and God's like, you could do a doctoral thesis the number of times I've spoken to you on that subject. And here's the thing. We could choose to evade, turn our head, stop our ears, cover our eyes, do the three monkeys things, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And that's probably what God said, that's, what, that's just about what y'all look like, the 3 little monkeys. But the thing is, we can play that game with God, and I'm giving funny illustrations, but the reality is, as long as you keep doing that, it's so circle around. God, I'm quite comfortable. I'm the angel's one. I got all the time in the world. And I'll have to deal with you on this issue and this hatred, this malice, this grudge, this whatever it is. Oh yeah, they did it to you. I know they did it. Yeah, they did it. But I'm gonna get to them later. I wanna deal with you right now. Oh, you wanna do it? Okay. 2010. I'll see you in 2013. He might say next week, but God is a loving and patient God. He might say, okay. Well, you wanna carry that? I'll see you in 2013. And you sit there in 2013, like, well, see, if God just dealt with me then, I couldn't be further along right now. why don't you deal with me then, God? Right, I try. you listen, I'm a patient God. See you in 2013. Comes around 2013. Let's deal with that animosity again. There go the head. There go them ears, eyes, mouth. There goes that body language. <laughs> Nobody gonna get to tell me about that. I've seen that with Christians. I did a, a series on forgiveness one week. Person came in, upbeat, all joyous, dancing, singing, and clapping. By the time I got the sermon, the person I like I was like, Lord, are we back in the 1800s? We don't beat us a slavery, baby." She just let, like we need to call EMTs. I just did a message on forgiveness. God bless you. person person literally said later on, I have trouble in the area of forgiveness. Okay, you're going to keep carrying it. It's going to be two choices. You're going to carry it or you're going to let him take it. But it's going to keep coming around until it's dealt with. Because we're not above God and he's a loving God and as much as he loves you, he loves you enough that he ain't going to let you off the hook. So, whether he comes back to you week after week after week, or he says, see you in a year, see you in three years, he might come back in 10 years. Because he's got all the time in the world. And you can go from a baby in Christ to your grave with something not dealt with. And have to look back at all the different opportunities you missed because your perceptions, and as I talked about the, the issues of life flowing out of your heart, you are way off a of course. Guys like, I should have had you here, basking on a Caribbean island. And you lived your life in decay, with trials and tribulations, stumbling over rocks every step of the way. And Lord, I thought you said the street was called straight. And I thought it was a path of righteousness. It was, and my feet were shy with the preparation of peace. And there was nothing but trouble everywhere I went. And I was supposed to live the abundant life. Where's all my abundance, Lord? And God was like, it was all there but you let the the issues of your life keep taking you off course. Oh, you thought that was your course? All that gravel, them rocks, the boulders, that hill you fell down, the weeds, weeds you got tangled in, you chopping out of it with a machete? You thought that was your course? No, that was your course. You see that stream right there? Nice smooth current? That was what I had for you. It was you that chose to chop your weight through the jungle that kept growing every time you chop down. See, here's the thing. You chop down a vine, but the stuff grows fast. You can't keep up with the chopping because you're holding on to all that baggage. But then we want to blame God. Oh, it's your fault. God, God, you promise. He said, I would've kept my promise. Actually, I did keep my promise. You took yourself away from my promise. So we have to choose to allow God to do the work and I can tell you weeds, thorns and thistles and stuff, ivy and vines and things like that will entangle themselves in your life. This ways grow quick. I learned this. I get so much revelation of the Lord every year just going out the yard. We just had this rain, so much rain. I had a sprinkler system going every two days. I put down weed killer early season before it started. I took like about a week off. I went outside front yard yesterday. Oh my god! I sprayed weed killer. How does stuff grow back so quick? And now I grew up, but it's in places that I clearly hit that didn't even have weeds. It now only grew in the place I sprayed, I saw it, but it's it's here too. Guess what it cost me? Two hours out in the sun with a weed whacker because the stuff had overgrown so quick. And I tried to keep it clean. Imagine the times that we're going through life and nope, I ain't dealing with it. Or I got the right to be angry with that person. Imagine the weeds that are growing up. And going further, there's these vines that, we have a holly tree out front and some pine trees. There's these vines that grow up. And the first when they come up, you know, they'll come up on the ground under beneath the tree and the branches kind of it where you can't see it. I went out there one day and I'm going outside, I'm doing stuff, I come back and it's about to walk in the house, I'm like and you gotta imagine, these trees have grown every year since I've been there now this tree probably a good 20 feet tall I look up at the top of that tree, I see a part of a, va- a vine about 3 feet dangling off the top I was like that vine is taller than tree and that's with it wrapping around so like, I gotta deal with this so I get some tools, I try to get it, I try to pull the vine, and I'm pulling and pulling, I was like, man, I can't get them, i cut my hands. I go in the house, I get my gloves and put them on, and I'm, pull, I'm talking about full strength. <clears throat> trying to pull that vine, and that thing is wrapped around the tree so tight, it's become like a rope. So I had to go in and get some knives, and I'm like, this thing's so tangled, I can't even pull it out all the way now. I at least had to cut it at the thing, so I'll kill it. But that's how bad it was. And the thing is, I deal with those vines every year, but if I don't continue to maintain, they come back and they entangle themselves around my plants again. And so it is with the issues of the heart. You gotta maintain, and you gotta be willing to cut that thing off at the root before it can grow. Because once that thing grows, you have to kill yourself and that thing says I'm not coming out thank God we have an all powerful all knowing God that gives us power beyond our capabilities to deal with stuff but why let it get to the point where it's doing so much damage and it's so entangled I remember years ago Miss Charlotte she's the one who really first caught my attention to that she's like oh you got vines starting to grow over your tree and she said your trees are beautiful but she said you don't with those vines they'll kill your tree I was like wow So I had to deal with that year after year. So the moral of the story there is that we have absolutely no right to despise, dislike, or especially hate anything unless it's within the perceptions of God according to his word and not governed by our fleshly perceptions, our fears, our hurts, the injustices that happen to us, we just don't have any excuse in god and that doesn't mean that things don't bother us believe me i've been bothered you see the news you get bothered me personally i have lived through this stuff lived through it i'm talking about surrounded by multiple four police cruisers one o'clock to about two o'clock in the morning surrounded car going in and out up the bottom top the back i remember at one point they're going in god tells me i think it's a weapon lifts up my hatch, oh, it's a, it's a gold wrapper. I know what it's like. But the fact is, I have to keep my heart and I have to do what God's word says no matter what this world system does, amen? I gotta govern my heart. I have to look at it as a right that the same way God chooses, makes a decision that I will not hate, that I will not judge, that I will not contempt, con- condemn, that I will not execute, anybody and will have compassion and open arms to forgive anybody who has a repentant heart. I have to have the same heart of God, and then also have the same heart of God that if they choose not to, to, to repent, I still have compassion and love for them. That's what God's word says, that he does, and that's what we, want to, we have to choose to do. And you have to realize that the price to be paid if you don't forgive, is that you get taken off course. You get entangled in the stuff that is sucking nutrients out of your life, that is entangling you and keeping you trapped in the holding pattern instead of moving where God has you to go, that you are drifting off course, that you're getting sucked underneath the undertow. So in other words, people may do something to you once, but it's up to you to choose whether or not the impact stays with you for a long period after that or even for the rest of your life. You make that choice. So by forgiving and not hating, yes, beneficial to them. They don't have that coming upon them, your ire, your judgment. But quite frankly, we can get a little selfish there and say, I'm gonna do it for me. Because I wanna be free. I don't wanna be off course. I don't wanna be hindered and entangled in a bunch of mess. Because you choose to hold on that stuff you're not only entangling yourself with your anger and your bitterness, but you're also opening the door for spiritual influences to have a license to operate in your life as well and I'm sure we don't want that amen, amen. so why do we hate then? Why do we hold animosity and why do we strongly dislike? some people places things amen (laughs) why do we dislike these things or hold animosity let's look at first kings 22 1-8 first kings 22 1-8 and they continued three years without war between syria and israel And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria? And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Will thou go with me to battle to Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men, and said unto them, Shall I go against this Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel here and the king of Israel said, I'm sorry, Joseph said, is there is a prophet of the Lord besides that he might inquire him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, Micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king said so. <laughs> Some people had that kill the messenger mentality. Like, I want the truth but make sure it's good. (laughs) I want the truth, but make sure it agrees with my opinion, my agenda, and what I desire. But give me all that truth. Just make sure I want to hear it. And if you don't give them what they want to hear, what they do, I hate you. This matter is true. It doesn't matter if it points them in the right direction. It doesn't matter if it might step on their toes now, but it's beneficial for the future. The fact is, some people, because of their itching ears, if they don't tell you what you want to hear, they will resent you, hate you, mark you, consider you an outcast, want to punish you. There's just so many different things that people with that mindset will do. Now, those who are mature in the Lord are going to say what thus said the Lord, whether people like it or not. You know, I mean, you gotta make that choice. And believe me, I've been in a lot of trenches and skirmishes over the years because I said things that people did not want. But as I look back over the course of my life, I wouldn't change a thing. And there's some moments where, yeah, it got a little rough. You know, people, you know, there's reprimands or uh, mistreatment or people eyeing me a certain way. But the fact is, I rather look back on my life and said, I stood for righteousness and the truth, even if it made me the outcast. The one that got kicked to the curb. The one that lost what he could have had. I'd rather gain in God than than gain from man because I compromised, amen? So as we see here, just because you speak truthfully and according to the spirit of God and the word of God doesn't mean that everybody's gonna love you. There's gonna be people that straight out cannot stand you. But we just gotta make sure As we're dealing with different situations in life that we don't take on that same mindset as well. Are there people in your life? Whether it's job related, education related, some other form of training, mentorship role, um authoritarian position, subordinate position, are you type of person that if somebody Says something that you don't like, or it, or demands that you do something you don't want to do, or maybe the way in which they say it to you isn't quite what you want. You develop dislike, resentment, rebellious attitude, have a covetous attitude. You know, want to us- usurp the position, take the mindset. I could do it better than you. You know, how do you handle these sorts of situations? Because, quite frankly. That is one of the things that can open the door for you to eventually have hostility and bitterness. And one of the things i found, I've talked to people over the years, is sometimes people are like, wherever I go, it's the same thing. Yeah, because it's the same you. <laughs> it's the same you. <laughs> Either you're triggering something in them, your gravitating to the same type of people, or... It's your behavior. And the only other reason beside that could be that maybe as we said earlier, God is trying to deal with you through those things. You're not getting the message clueless. And this is why you continue to go place after place after place and you see this still occurring. So there's two ways that you can handle it. You could take it the learning way. Let me learn from this, see what my part is see what I need to learn and adjust my attitude. So instead of me disliking or having an attitude towards a person who is the messenger, instead I learn from it. Even if it wasn't spoken to me the way I want it, I learn from it and I adapt and I now grow in maturity and open up the door for more good things. Or I could choose to have the mindset that I'm gonna resent anybody that tries to step on my toes or is authoritative over me or tells me do this or this way or the highway, I'm gonna continue to have the mindset that I resent them, I dislike them, or I hold animosity toward them. And you could do that, but I can tell you right now, in the professional world, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> it's just not gonna work. You know, I, I've dealt with people, you know, I've coached over the years, I told y'all before, I've coached over the years, you got these kids come up, think they can talk to me the old way, I'm like, you got, you found the wrong one. I had kids come up to me right in front of their parents and mouth off, and I checked them right there, right in front of the parents. And the parents might not like it, but they don't speak up. And I was like, you, you say something, I'm gonna be dealing with you too. But quite frankly, I'm not gonna deal with your insubordination, you know? And it's it's a disservice to children when you allow that. Because, you know, these kids come up to me, okay, Coach Fox didn't deal with them. But sooner or later, it's gonna be boss, Ed or Susie or somebody would be like, you don't want to do what I say? Fired. And they'd go job to job to job and wonder why they don't have any successful career. Because they never learn to be subordinate. I've had bosses that, my first, my first boss out of college, if the secretary didn't print a letter, he came and screamed at me. What'd I do wrong? I was revolutionizing their computer department as a, basically a babe in my career. My first job, day in my job, I was supposed to come in for two months of training hands on with my supervisor. She had outpatient surgery that weekend beforehand that went horribly wrong. She was out for a month. So I walk in the first day of my career. Not a new job, but the first day of not only my new job but my actual career. Day one walked into a fire. We got a network of 1,500 piece PCs. It crashed. Threw me a manual. Fix it. That's the kind of environment I had. I got through that okay. But on a day-to-day basis, sales projections didn't didn't go right. Here come here you come. I, I was mind my business. Next day, secretary, print this letter. She gets a call. Son got sick at school. Gotta leave. Literally, one day, comes up to me. I can't remember her name. Where's Sarah? Oh, son got sick. She had to leave. Ah! Goes off of me. That's my first job. Screamed at me. And and don't, and, and believe me, stuff will affect you. But you got a choice on how you let it affect you. I went through a period of time. I got in a car accident. At the time, Pam and I were still dating. I was driving down Pleasantville, New Jersey, Spencer Gifts, my first job at a, a college, not in the store, but in the computer department. So I'm driving down there. He knows I've been in an accident. My back still hurt me for the first two months. I had to drop them off. You know, thank God she's, she had a brand new car. She let me take her brand new car, and put all that miles on it. I get there maybe 15 minutes late, yell at me, even though he knew I was dealing with stuff. So it's one day, I was like, okay, I got to get something closer to home. So I start searching, I'm interviewing, no calls yet or anything. Then I get a couple of interviews, but no confirmation of anything. So it's one day I come in there, and it's on the roll again. And I'm a baby Christ, I'm new to my career. He goes in again. Second, I need Letter written by lunch. Didn't get that letter. I'm sitting in the office with six women. He walks in, screams at me for 20 minutes. And here's the thing, my makeup is like, you keep coming at me, you keep coming at me. The worst thing that could happen is if I go totally silent. Because it's about to be World War III and I'm not gonna know where I'm at or what I did to you by the time I'm done. So this man comes in and starts screaming. At one point, he probably thought I was crazy. He's literally over my desk, finger pointing, screaming at me. I literally did like this and start praying. Because I felt myself going numb. And all of a sudden, I felt my hand start, my fingers start to curl up. And I was like, Holy Spirit? I'm a baby in Christ now. I don't know cover to cover. I'm a baby in Christ. But all I learned. Jews are God's chosen people. He was a Jewish man. And I knew it wasn't right. So my hand, I feel my hand like, uh oh. It's like that movie The Hand. Michael came back in the year and did All did a remake. All of a sudden I feel my hand tar- starting to turn up. I like Lord Jesus. This man's still screaming at me. I put my head down and went to prayer. And I prayed until my hand was able to open up. And I looked up. I was like, Where's Ed? They said, Well, you and the girl, the women were like, well, you ignored him, so he probably turned around and walked away, right? Then the phone rings, and I have a new job. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> See, we handle stuff in God. Believe me, I know, I know it's late like to be unjustly used and abused and criticized and screamed at. But do you handle it in God or according to your flesh? See, if I handle according to flesh, they'd be out me in cuffs. Because I've I, I, I had them outbursts outside of Christ. Where four people pull me off of a bloody body. I'm like, what I do? That's why when I see these things on the news, woman flips out and kills her kids, i like, I know where she's been. I've visited that land. And I remember they had Mad TV before. A character Stewart, <laughs> and sometimes he would do something. And they had this one scene where Stuart got mad over cookies or something. And his mom was like, "What are you doing, Stuart? He's like, "I'm in a dark place. <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in a dark place." <laughs> you got to know when you're going into. You got to know when you're going into that dark place, and you got to stop that thing. And see, I know in me, I know in me, in my flesh, I don't have the ability to stop that beast that is raging beneath the surface. But when I felt him starting to manifest, what did I do? Holy Spirit, I can't trust me right now. You gotta put, you gotta put a straitjacket, something, on me. And because I went to him in my time of need, when I knew I could not restrain myself, he did the restraining for me, and then he immediately confirmed my faithfulness and obedience by giving me my next job. Amen? And I'm not saying you are willing to get a new job every time. I'm just saying that the blessings of God will flow when you don't allow anger and animosity and, and frustration and outbursts to take rule over your flesh. Amen? You got to let God take control. And it's a shame because I've seen a lot of people, both saved and unsaved, and you can see the course of your life, and you hear the stories that they went through. You can tell the ones that were obedient to God and those who acted out in the flesh, and they still wonder, well, I go to church every week. Well, I pray every week. Well, I read the Word. Well, you can read the Word. But faith without works is dead. You got to do the Word. And, and, and you know what? That whole excuse of, well, I blew it that time, but uh, maybe next time. Give me a free pass. Okay, God gave you free pass when you were babes in Christ. You've been saved 20 years, when do the free passes end? Sooner or later, you gotta learn your lessons and start walking in maturity, amen? But we don't sit there, oh, woe is me again. No, you, yeah, woe woe is you again, it's true. But instead of thinking of it from the perspective, woe is me and what they did to me, woe is me, I screwed up again, I need to get my act together. I'll give you some woe is me. Yeah, it is woe is you get it together grow up stop acting out of your flesh and see the power of god manifest in your life and when people come in and discipline you like i said i've had people that have disciplined me well and been strong role models and mentors but as i said i've learned from the bad ones too people screaming at you i've been there but i handled it the right way in god and the thing is you can go through cycles i had another boss a couple a few years ago working right around cherry hill Screamer all over the place. Changed his mind. Every, once again, a Jew. <laughs> screaming at people. Just going off. Saw him one day screaming at a man. For, you know, finally left the table, went to the other room, closed the door. You still hear him screaming at the guy. I looked at my watch. I was like, he's been screaming him about 45 minutes. And I'm talking about. Like, that's a grown man with a wife and kids just because you pay his paycheck you got the right to strip him of his manhood over a few dollars and the thing is it's it's a shame that he took it but at least i respect the fact i'm trying to hold my job i need the salary i can't lose this job but to be in a position of that where you could do that to somebody and the thing is his parents were holocaust survivors i met him i talked to his dad he has a grandfather who during the whole Holocaust, he was a famous painter in Poland. That his 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 paintings got taken and they finally recover some of them in the Polish musician um, museum. It's like, how can you come out of such oppression and then oppress somebody else? So when things calmed down, I told him, I said, man, that's not right. And I said, I respect you as a boss or anything, but don't you ever try to talk to me like that. So you might go out the window, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't talk to people like that you intimidate me well i ain't trying to but if that's what t- keeps you from doing that good But the fact is we got to learn how to still do even though i didn't deal with the full brunt i got enough though and see you don't know how even though people may act up the goodness of God in you in terms of your response, your body language, your attitude still speaks into their life even though they haven't received God yet. That same guy used to scream us all the time, he'd take us out on lunches and stuff. Right in this P.J. Williams one time. Right there at P.J. Williams, right down the street, Route 70. We're sitting at the table, place is packed, packed, barely sitting room. Here's a few drinks, start feeling a little buzz. He says, "So, Father, what'd you preach on the Sunday?" He's, well, he gets, he gets a little inebriated calls me Father. <laughs> see, people see stuff in you, whether they respect it all the time or not. They still know underneath the surface that there's something there. That's why it's like you intimidate me. You no, know, it's a God that me intimidate you. You got to get that right. So we're sitting there. He intimidate now. This is just like gets a few drinks. So, Father, what did you um, preach on Sunday? And then look around. And there's people at our table talking, he's like shh! Shh! <laughs> we're gonna hear, not just me, small talk. we sitting by his side. He cries the whole table, what did you preach on on Sunday? It had me break it down. I gave him the title, he said, no, but what was it? it? Had me break down part of the sermon points. Acting the right way and not allowing bitterness and anger and animosity to come in can have an effect beyond what you think. So it's both on the giving side, it's on the receiving side. You know, like I said, some people resent advice, admonishment, rebukes, a refusal. They have a refusal to listen to strong and mature Christians telling them what they want to hear, or they want people to justify what they're saying. But those of us who are mature are gonna you ain't got to necessarily give it to a straight-no-chaser all the time, like, BAM! <laughs> you remember a little couple years ago? <laughs> the, there was the two brothers, they called themselves, like, managers for entertainment. And they are always trying to find their way to a club or a gay life, something like that. And if there's Tommy Davidson, he would talk to you, Yo, man, so I got some entertainment. So just you know, let me hook you up, man, I can manage you. Oh, you got any cars? Uh, uh, let me see. BAM! <laughs> remember that? <laughs> he said, <"Yeah."> BAM! <laughs> <laughs> we gotta set ourselves up so that we can have those bad moments with people amen after we demonstrate that i'm not allowing myself and your behavior you're acting up to make me act up and be resentful and dislike people amen have those bad moments <laughs> Have a crazy day <laughs> So people may not, in other words, want to hear you all the time, but you might get those bam moments where you give it to them and you have a receptive audience. But you can't allow yourself to get angry because they want to hear you. Then on the other side of the coin, when people are speaking out to our lives too, sometimes there's stepping on of our toes. Sometimes there's things we don't want to hear. Sometimes we think we have something together and we don't want to hear. But we can't allow that to be to serve as something in which... Like, I'm going to be angry at that person or distance myself from that person. Or, oh, he can't speak in my life again because I ain't like the way he said that or he didn't agree with me when everybody else did. Well, maybe he's the only one who heard from God. Amen? Or she. So we got to be open to those things. Uh, Let's go to the next one. (laughs) Matthew 15, 22 through 28. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter, is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered, Not her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the dog's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, greatest thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now it seems like Jesus said something that was very prejudiced, bigoted, racial. Because, you know, the Jews, the chosen people of God, they saw them as, as, as outcasts and dirty Stay away from them. Don't interact with them. Don't eat with them. You know, they're not of us. Keep them over there. Segregate. So this woman comes up to Jesus and, you know, he's basically like, why are you talking to me? Like, dude, I have the power to heal, but sort our people can't get at the dogs. Now, he wasn't being a racist, though. He's like, I'm going to test of faith. Because we know Jesus couldn't be racist, amen? Because he made us all for one blood. So he put her to the test, and she answered and said, Look, I might be a dog, but the dog will sit at the table and wait for the crumbs to fall at the edge because your crumbs are good enough to give me desire in my heart. And when he heard that, he's like, Wow, that woman got some faith. And you're going to get exactly what you need, <laughs> amen? She got that and more. She had audience with the king, and king of kings and lord of lords. A man and her daughter was, as we see here, made whole from that very hour. And quite frankly, the healing of her daughter, um, she was made whole from that that very hour, but actually she was healed as well because as a mother, she's worried about her child. So there's at least a double healing. And how many testimonies came out of that? So we see here that there are, you know, prejudices over religion, race, culture. And it's a cause a lot of time of inbred hate. But I'm sure this story is illustrated in the Bible because Jesus was basically showing us that I understand that there's inbred hate and animosity between people groups, races, creeds, and colors, but yet he's saying I'm crossing the boundaries of that as well. Everybody can come and sup at the master's table. Everybody can receive the blessings that he has to offer, whether it's physical healing in the body now, emotional healing that the mother experienced, and spiritual healing for the entire world. Jesus literally bridged the gap and reached out to people regardless, once again, of nationality, race, creed, color. Amen? And The word for us today, too, is that we have to members that we may not necessarily uh, believe with everybody, may not necessarily interact with everybody, but we should be operating the same way Jesus did. He reached across the gap and administered love to people. You know, I'm not LGBT, nor will I ever be, but I don't have to be hateful. I can reach across the gap and offer the salvation and the healing and deliverance that Jesus provided, as we see in this story. So there's no excuse for us to have that sort of mindset. And it's a shame that people call themselves Christian and they had this stuff in and they refused to deal with it. But we who are wise in god and really want to have an impact on all people and allow ourselves to be open and accessible to everybody we have the have the mindset that i see everybody as one you know everybody's either all saved and god might use me as a tool to help support and and pray and heal them as they're going through trials or tribulations or they are the people of the unsaved that god is using me as a vessel of love to reach out to even though we may have various differences you know i've shared before, back when I was college, I wasn't even saved down North Carolina. I walked in the streets of Greensboro, North Carolina one day. And I remember one time they told us to stay on campus. They had us on a high alert because they said it was a KKK rally. At one point, um, somebody had shot through the the windows of a church where they're having choir practice. And over the next week, I went down to the Greensboro. There's a place called New York Pizza, you know, that come down from New York. You say, hey, you have pizza. Cheese steaks and stuff, you know, murder style. So we used to go down there all the time. So I'm walking down there, me, some guys from the basketball team, I was on the basketball team, we we're walking down there, and all of a sudden this guy jumps out, of pickup truck. I ain't gonna say what he said, because we're in church. So we sitting there like freeze, because <laughs> I don't know if he will pull the trigger. And this big country <laughs> white with, walks over there, give me that gun. <laughs> I was <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm more amazed at The, the, the fool that pointed the, the rifle at me Or the guy that He didn't hesitate He's just like oh, I see guns pointing at people every day Give me that gun <laughs> And took it from him Amen I went down to Kentucky one time A few guys on the te- team said so let's go to the local mall see, Look around Get some food And I go There's a few white guys and me and we're going through the mall, all of a sudden I'm like, hmm, am I in the Twilight Zone? Like, everywhere I go, I see all these, i was just like, we ain't seen one of them there before in person. So I look at the guys, like, we about to get up out of here. <laughs> so I know what it's like to deal with stuff going across cultural grounds. On the bad side, a rifle point at me, being in Kentucky and the whole mall is turning as I'm walking, down the aisle, there's on the other side of the corner. There's a guy that was rumored to be part of a Klan family, and even the white people at the college avoided him. Everybody pretty much like labeled him Klan boy. So we used to go to the cafeteria, and one time it was crowded, and the table he's at, as usual, was empty. So my personality, was just like, wasn't totally noble. Yeah, I'm gonna go push his button. I'm eat. I'm gonna go eat dinner with him. So I plopped down there. Hey man, what's up? No response, start eating. No conversation whatsoever. See him a few more times. Yo, bro, what's up? Finally gets to the point, kind of like, eh. uh." Then we start, after a while, as I keep sitting down with him, engaging in conversation, then we finally get to the point one day, he says, I'm never going to like your people, but I do realize that everything they said about you wasn't necessarily true. I say, that's progress. See, here's the thing, if I could cross the divide and deal with somebody with that mindset and engage him in a peaceful dialogue where we never argue, and I had to get past the fact that he even ignored my existence multiple times when I spoke with him, if I could get past the fact that I was down there during a time where they were having rallies in my city to the point where they were saying, don't leave the campus, I had a rifle pointed at me, and I went to another place in Kentucky where I was staring at and might have got lynched, if I could deal with all that and yet not have hatred in my heart and reach out to somebody that's clan as an unsaved, fleshly guy that's still drinking, cursing, partying, and doing all kinds of stuff, why can't we do that as children of Christ? You can if you want to. Amen? You can if you want to. So all them excuses like, huh, well, I just say uh, they hate me, I hate them too. Or, or uh, well, well, I don't hate them, but they deserve what they get. So you hate them. Let's be real. I don't hate them. But if they get what's coming to them, I ain't shedding any tears. You hate them. Maybe not a deep-rooted hate, but you got a little loving. Remember last week? little loving, loving the whole lump. If you're comfortable with their judgment, their struggle, their wounds, little pinch of hatred in there. And God says, don't leaven your lump with it. Dig it out. And believe me, I know it's a work in progress. Some things we got to do periodically. Other forms of maintenance we got to do every day. Well, you know, Dr. Hoffman, over the last few years, it was a few years ago, one time I had my annual checkup. I was low on vitamin D. He gave me I think it was 15,000 milligram tablets for three weeks, did another blood test, and my level was up. Ever since that time, years ago, I've taken a D3 every night before bed, even though the problem was solved years ago. And actually, I had an anal checkup again. He said, oh, you still taking the D3? Because it can't hurt to keep taking it. I said, take it every day. The problem was solved years ago, but for the maintenance to make sure the deficiency never occurs again, I take a D3 every night. So. You may have dealt with a situation that made you feel angry, animosity, grudge, hatred, malice, wish bad upon them, deserve what they get. You might have had a situation one day and dealt with it, but you gotta look at yourself and say, hey, is this part of my daily maintenance routine? I gotta stay on this one. You gotta know yourself and you gotta deal with it. Amen, hallelujah. Now you can write this down for later. Genesis 4, 1 through 8 talks about Adam and Eve and it goes into Cain and Abel and it basically just tells us you know, we have the it basically shows us in that story Oh, Genesis 4 Genesis 4, 1 through 8 it's the story of Cain and Abel and the main principle we get from that is that before sin can start to root it in our hearts The story is more about sin taking hold of us and consuming us than it is the actual murder. Like, don't miss the story in the story. The story is used as an illustration of God always comes to his people in advance of allowing something to get deep-rooted to say, if you don't deal with it. The thing that's crouching at your door right now it's going to pounce over you, on you it's going to consume you and it's going to take rulership of your life it's illustrated in the fact that cain was warned if you don't deal with this resentment animosity and jealousy you have towards your brother if you don't get to the point you repent of your attitude that i don't want to do it the way god said if you don't do these things Sin is right here about to pounce on you and it's gonna cause you some consequences and some repercussions that you cannot even imagine. If God had asked Cain, if God had told him, if you don't deal with this, you will kill your brother, Cain would probably say, that's impossible, I love my brother. Man, I will defend my brother from anybody on this planet. Me and my brother, inseparable. I'm sure that would be been his answer. And God told him, like, look, that jealousy there is gonna take you somewhere you don't wanna go. Look at you, your shoulders droop, Countless is falling, walking around sulking. God said, "You got to deal with this. It's going to pounce on you." And he said, "No, I'm am fine, Lord. I'm fine." Next, you know, he's eyeing his brother. He's jealous. Then he busts it upside his head and kills him. And then the very thing he said he never could do, he said, "Lord, protect me, because before other people do the same to me." But the story is more, like I said, than the murder the first murder the story is more of God is gracious enough to always come to us and warn us when sin is crouching the door and he gives us the warning he tells us how to deal with the situation so that it doesn't take control of us and then we have the choice of will I listen to God even in the things I don't think I'm capable of will I listen to God and deal with it or will I continue to deceive myself as Cain did and end up down that road of destruction and misery and being marked for life he was marked for life from that because he didn't listen to God And it happened with him But it's not the first time it happened It happened with Peter as well I'll serve you I'll go down To the death with you Jesus Man you'll deny me three times a night For the cock crows Never He even demonstrated He probably was so proud of himself See I told you I'd die with you Cut that guy's ear off You hit him but I cut his ear off I told you I'd fight with you to end. Unless you know I don't know I told you I don't know. I don't know that. Bang, 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 bang. God tries to warn us. So when He's given us warnings about animosity and, and ire and anger and unresolved hatred and bitterness and whatever, and you might say it's not bitterness and hatred right now, but how do you know that it won't go there? Deal with it before it has an, even a chance to penetrate and become something beyond what you can imagine it to be you may not think it's hatred but you don't know if it might not end up there stop it at the point where god is warning you amen hallelujah all right that's it for today let's um let's 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 clap and give a little praise (laughs) praise amen hallelujah (laughs) thank you jesus thank you jesus let's all rise we'll just close out in prayer hallelujah thank you jesus Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the praise, honor, and glory once again for allowing us to come into your presence, Lord, in spirit and truth, to praise you in song, to share testimonies, to um, just glorify you, and Father, even as we're dealing with a a very profound subject, uh, we thank and praise you, Lord, that you will reveal to us if there's anything in our hearts that um, is contrary to you any negative thoughts or attitudes in our heart and mind, especially if it could lead to grudges, animosity, malice, and hatred. Father, even if we don't know if it's something that can go in that direction, we trust you to show us honestly, and we just ask you to by your spirit, you give us the strength, hallelujah, and the maturity to not deny it, not to turn our head, not to say it's not me or it couldn't happen, but instead, if you reveal it to us, Father, allow us to accept it. Thank you for showing it to us, and then give us the strength, the determination, and the, the manner in which we need to maintain it that it will not take hold of our lives. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. We give you the glory and honor and praise that... Once again, you who have begun a good work in us will fulfill it. We thank you not only for allowing it to bless our lives, but also that we can minister it in the lives of others. And we just thank you, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.